Hello and welcome to another episode of NG Meets. This is episode 31 and this is uh, with Damon Mitchell from Ludorati Board Gaming Cafe. Now this is the last of our episodes that we recorded pre-coronavirus lockdown. So obviously a lot of the stuff that comes up in that episode relates to things going on at the cafe, plans and things like that. Uh, and obviously like any other uh, entertainment venue at the moment the cafe is of course closed um, but we still wanted to share this because obviously it's important to support these these venues through this tough time and I will say that Ludovati are doing some great stuff online if you go to their Facebook page facebook.com forward slash Ludovati Ludovati Cafe uh, you can see what they've got going on they've, they've putting up quite a lot of resources of things that have been made available for free by different game companies. Uh, they've got a community hub for gaming. They've done some uh, like online uh, RPG, D&D stuff. So head over to that and keep an eye on that. Um, it's a great venue. Like other venues, it's going through a really tough time at the minute. This is unprecedented. Um, but hopefully like this will be back up and running. You know, we've had the last few guests have all been, I mean, everybody obviously is affected, but, you know, we've had um, Purple Mamba Club, which, like Ludovati, is closed at the moment. We had Nottingham Lions FC. Obviously, there's no football at the moment. We're seeing the impact there. So um, enjoy this episode. And while you may not have to say you can't go along to Ludovati Cafe at the minute, you can support them online. You can look at what you can get involved in. Also, there's a lot of talk about uh, board game, tabletop gaming in general, and at the moment, obviously, there's a lot of that. That's something that maybe a lot of you are looking at if you're not already involved. If people are are having to spend a lot more time inside, they're looking for activities. Particularly if you've got, uh, you know, you know, families, or if there's there's a couple of you, um, so they're gaming, and then you can look at the online options there as well. And um, there's some great stuff we've done quite a bit of board gaming you know we're, we're into it anyway but also I've even done a bit of online gaming I mean <laughs> one, I played a uh, online uh, online game of Cards of Humanity which I'm sure many of you heard about that's, that worked really really well using uh, online software and it was great you know playing it remotely we used, we used WhatsApp video we used the online platform um, play it and it was just great, and it's things like that that's so important. And it also enabled me to, uh, you know, to to engage with people I'm not able to see, with friends I'm not able to see at the moment. So things like that. So you can't go to Ludorati at the moment. You can still follow their Facebook page. As I say, they've got things going on you can still check out. And, you know, as I say, we talk about some great games this uh, um Damon suggests some great games at the end. I mean, games come up all the way through from role-playing games like D&D to things like Catan, Carcassonne. But he also he picks out a selection of games uh, in terms of starter games for sort of families, couples or groups. So maybe you'll get some ideas there if you are looking for gaming ideas during this, you know, unprecedented time. But okay, hopefully you enjoy the episode. Hopefully it beats you interesting when things are um, back open again, whenever that be. And, you know, t- 
talks in regards to to pubs and, and bars and things could be quite a long time yet but hopefully you might head along and check out um Luderati then and he does also talk about things like their membership scheme they have a digital membership scheme which i think is still available now and does offer um offer things like discounts on games and things so it's worth checking that out and it was just an enjoyable chat as well and again as i say they're going through a really tough time like everyone um, hopefully they can get through this but in the meantime do enjoy the episode uh, this is uh, ng meets episode 31 with damon mitchell of luderati cafe Damon Mitchell, who is the Games and Community Director, one of the things at Luderati, which is, I guess, a sort of a, a, a board game slash tabletop gaming cafe uh, on May Marion Way in Nottingham, which is where we are in what I believe is known as the Cube. That's right, we are in the Cube, which is a, a great place, kind of. Yeah, it's a lovely little room. I mean, I, like, obviously, I'm guessing quite a lot of people listening to this probably familiar with the venue. Uh, may have known came out to think this is uh, used for function but also for the sort of escape room. Yeah, so this space we use for what we call our escape drone, which is a tabletop based escape game. So an, an hour to solve a series of puzzles and challenges and get out very cerebral puzzle based ones. And because of the, well, as you can see, but your listeners can't, we've got a seating for 10 people here, coffee yeah. on this table. So it's very popular with a lot of role play groups as well, which we were just chatting about before the recording started. Yes, yeah, we were, yeah. But, um, obviously, I think that's something that I think's taken off here. I think you got in terms of doing events, did you start doing those last year? I think it was. I, I wouldn't, we didn't just start it, but I say there's been a definite increase yeah. in it. So we've always had um, role play groups using this space just privately, but it's something that we started to maybe promote more and we put together a separate group on our Facebook yeah. page for it and things like that. And it's really just been taking off. So to the point, as I mentioned to you, I personally am running three different groups now. Yeah. My colleagues running five groups, so four of them only meet once a month. <laughs> it's, yeah, and then there's many independent people bringing their own groups in as yeah. well for other games, not just Dungeons and Dragons, but Call of Cthulhu, Tales from the Loop and many others. <laughs> Excellent. I think one of the things I like, obviously if any, any that source, um, follows the Facebook page and that um, is there's always a lot of the social media works great and there's always a lot of pictures personal one of my favorite things about that is you always put the name on because <laughs> the, it's the amount of times I've seen pictures of various board games and things on the internet and you think what are they playing it looks really good <laughs> look yeah. you know because I mean just from looking at it, I think you've got something like over 700 games within your library at the moment. Yeah, I think with the with the things we've got in the back room and a few others around now, it's about 900 games yeah. we've got on site now, so yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so we always try to. When we put the photographs up, we usually reference one or two games in the main text and then try and tag all of them in the pictures. Though I noticed yesterday they've just changed Facebook again, so I've got to work out how to tag the photos oh, up yeah. again now. <laughs> That's a constant. It's someone that, that uses sort of Facebook as the primary way of spreading the word 
they're constantly making that harder and harder and harder. Yeah, I, I do love the pictures we have because as you probably noticed, we always have like so many pictures of people actually playing the games. Yeah. And that's something we just wanted to do. We didn't want it just be a series of this is new stock in our store or this is a, another trading card game event, which seems to be very standard for a lot of venues. So we really wanted to emphasize, you know, this is a place where people meet, socialize, play games face to face over the tables and really enjoy that interactivity. Yeah, I think I'm making it welcoming because I think there, in, in the past especially, I think there's been a little bit of a, a fear that you've got to already be really sort of knowledgeable to get involved in events at these kind of places, which I think can be off-putting, it can be quite, you know, because there obviously a lot of these games, um, especially in the sort of role-playing games, the, the fan base is so passionate and some of them have been playing those games for years, you know, and I think sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating for someone that's newly interested in it. Yeah. And, you know, and that, I mean, that's in, in any, you know, computer games, anything like that, there's always that little bit of fear of dipping your toes. So I think it, it does make it, the sort of whole ambience of the place gives that a welcoming well, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. And that's something we've definitely aimed for. And, I, and you'll see it in the clientele. Again, if you look at the pictures, you'll see we have like all age groups. We have, uh, uh, I think, both genders equally represented. We have like, you know, such a variety of people coming in. And it's wonderful to see that it's spreading to so many different kinds of people. It isn't just seen as a core geek hobby now. It is increasingly yes. accessible. And I would say, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it can be quite a fearful thing for people. That is one of the reasons why uh, we really do try and give people assistance to get into the hobby. So my colleague Rebecca has been absolutely fantastic in introducing to new players to Dungeons & Dragons, getting them starting on their first adventures, enjoying it. And we have social events several times a week here, so Mondays, Tuesdays, Sundays, Thursdays we have social events. And what I really notice when we start doing those is we get a lot of people that have sort of social anxiety or similar issues coming and a lot of them will say oh, I'm so nervous about joining and it's just great to be able to be a point of contact for those people help them allay those fears connect them with other people yeah. and assure them that with board games you can interact as much or as little as you like you can be the chattiest person at the table or you can keep your head down play the game and no one is going to call you out for that we're all there to enjoy a hobby together. Yeah. And it's a really safe zone for people to have those worries, which is fantastic to see. Yes, and then, with it, particularly in the role playing, of course, then you get to live a little bit of, as is fantasy, you know, that in your character. And, you know, there's someone fairly new. I mean, I'm reasonably new to board gaming. I mean, when I was a kid, board gaming, to my knowledge, was like, Monopoly, Cluedo, <laughs> Cluedo and, which I mean to be fair, I've still got both of them. Yeah. Um, but in it, probably the last two three years, we we I kind of sort of seen so much about it everywhere, and we at home we started off with sort of uh, pandemic and King of Tokyo were the first ones. Well, it's funny you should mention yeah. Pandemic, because that's actually the number one played game in the cafe. Yeah. And I think the genius of that design again, it, it wasn't the first one, but I think it was the first real breakthrough cooperative yeah. game, where you play as a group against the game. And again, that's just so unifying, that as you can sit down as a family or a group of friends, and you're not trying to beat each other. You're working as yes. a team against the game. It's genius. And when you, particularly when you, for us, but we, for, as a family and with young you know, varying age children, but at the time, all quite young. But it was a great way because 
there's not you know the kid playing and just losing to their parents yeah. they quickly lose interest but when you're working together yeah. and you know so it's encouraged to help them make decisions and things exactly um, despite the fact it it took us a long long time to win at that game <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the victory wouldn't have been so sweet if it that's first. very true <laughs> but yeah but it, it's been staggering sort of going from there and, and just you know we we came here We've been here a few times, um, and just seeing the, the staggering amount of games, and you know, since then, you know, we've got things like Catan and uh, um, what's it called? Small World, things like so many. And I mean, we've got lists of <laughs> what we <laughs> what want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and it is there's just so many. Like you say, um, you've got cooperative, single player, two player games. Um, yeah, and then board, and then things like Catan and that where you can buy Expansions, expansion yeah, packs and yeah, yeah. develop the games. Yeah, I mean, we get asked for certain things very often here. So the with the most commonly requested things are, do you have things that will play well for younger children? Which we do have some fantastic games for younger children as well. A lot of the big names you mentioned do my first editions. Yes. There's like Junior Catan. There's my first Journey Ticket to Ride and things like that, which are great for younger players. My first Stone Age as well. Um, we get asked a lot for sort of date games. What have you got that works well for couples? So we've got a whole shelf yeah. that's dedicated to two-player games. And then we get bigger groups, you know, that are not really maybe board gamers, but just, oh, this is a great place just to hang out for a work deal or something like that. Have you got a game that will do 12 people all at the same time? <laughs> We're like, yeah, we can do that. You know, we can do games that, like, um, a lot of the social deduction games, like the werewolf-style games, yeah. where you have a hidden murderer at the table or something like that. Fantastic for larger groups, just that want to relax a bit, maybe have a few drinks, have some great beers here, so you know, sit down with a beer, play a social game together. Yeah. So, yeah, as you're saying, that the spectrum is so broad. And there's no, uh, there's no right or wrong games to play. Like you mentioned the Cluedo Monopoly. They still get played, yeah. and that's fair. If you're enjoying those games, enjoy them. That's yeah, I mean, I'm, oh, to be fair, Cluedo Monopoly, I'm not, it's not a game for me. Yeah. I've always found it just gets too fraught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cluedo is one we, we play quite a lot. Kids, and I think that's a good one because it is quite simple for kids to understand and pick up. and engage in which is always you know we've got some of the games that have sat more or less on the shelf for a long time because they're just not they're just a little bit too complicated yeah and it's getting that balance and there's a quite a lot it's difficult to find sometimes to find ones that like me and my wife can just play ourselves in the evening right, so yeah. many of them are three Right, yes. And in the other way, if you've got a few friends around, you've know, got five of us, that's suddenly an image of a lot of games that cap up for yes, all. So yeah. knowing what plays at what level is great. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great, what I would call entry-level games these days. So I mentioned Ticket to Ride is a fantastic. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah, it's great. And then also games like Reef, Azul, which are just so tactile. I don't know if you've played those, but they just have fantastically, wonderfully visual pieces. Yeah. So Azul has these kind of mosaic tiles, which just look so lovely on the board that people just like having it in front of them. And the gameplay's quite simple, but needs some thought as well. And these kind of, they often say referred to as gateway games. It's just wonderful that there's so many of them now catering to yeah. people are coming into the hobby. And maybe a few years ago, there was a big divide between you've got your Monopoly and Cluedo, and then you've got your Miniatures War Games or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. But now there's so many grades between those. That it's a, it can be a very gentle curve. You find your interest in the hobby, there's always something you can move on to. And, and it's all represented here, so it's fantastic. <laughs> Excellent, yeah, there's so many. I mean, one um, Arctic Lock is a game, I think you pronounce it now, it's called Soro. 
Sort of. Oh, yes. literally, it's just a tile game, and you're just trying to not fall off the edge of the board. And it's such a simple game. And that, one of the great things about that is you can put it out, play it in ten minutes. Because I mean, as much as I love games like Pandemic, it takes almost as long to set them up <laughs> as it does. But yeah, yeah and it, I mean, like you say, and obviously within the cafe, you've got. There's a, there's a there's sort of um, what I'd say is the sort of just casual cafe area where you've got a sort of library of games that people can just pick up and play while they have a coffee. Yeah, we've got some um, classics there, like classic, Battleships, yeah. Guess Who, yes, and uh, Chess, things like we, that. You know, yeah, I think you've got Jenga. And, yeah, and then obviously, and then you've got the, the area where you can book a table and yes. do proper gaming events. So it's that, again, it's that thing of if you are wanting to dip your toe in, you can just come in, have a drink, and you and let's say dip your toe with a classic game or a smaller game, just get a feel for the place. Yeah, and, and then uh, you, know, you can ask any questions that you've got about what we do here as well. Or, you know, particularly if I'm around, I'm always happy to chat with anyone that comes in that's got questions about what we do because many people are really curious. I think one of the most common questions is I should say the two most common questions I get are. What are you? Because <laughs> uh, a lot of people, it's a totally new concept yeah. given this idea of what we are. So we're always happy to run through and explain how we work, what we are. Um, but, but as you say, you've already kind of outlined it. So we've got the, the general area where you can play these classic games for free. We've got one shelf of those, including some of the uh, starter sets from the RPGs yeah. you mentioned. And then we have the higher tables of access to the full library. And we've got, as, we, as we're sitting in now, the cube for as we said, the escape room and things like that. So there's a number of offers here. There's more going on here than you might think. Um, but I was going to say, I have two questions. The second one I get asked most often, and I will tell you the answer. People point to the wall and say, do you know all of those games? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I don't. I say 900 is quite a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think I know about 200 of them pretty well. And <laughs> there's others I claim, but probably like forgotten, but I could refresh quickly. That's, that's not a bad go. And I mean... I'm... You know, if I don't play one for a few months, I'm like, wow, what is it you do on that? Yeah. When you do that, no, no, that's that game. <laughs> Different rules. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's an interest, because I, I think you guys have, have been here a few years, a few years now. our fourth anniversary. Yeah, so, so, I mean, but I'm guessing the scheme thing, that's quite a new, that's still quite newish, you'd say. And as a concept, particularly in, in the area, I know there's, there's a couple more have cropped up around the area. Um, but it's, it seems quite a new concept, the sort of board game cafe. But it seems, when you know when you sit and think about it, it seems such an obvious combination because it's a social environment, it's a social activity, and it is an activity you can sit and play with a drink and a bit to eat, which isn't always the case with obviously other activities. So it's, it's interesting that, I don't know, maybe it's like say we were talking earlier about the sort of, it definitely feels like there's a, an uplifting sort of interest in the whole board game, tabletop gaming Definitely. world. So I guess that plays into it. You can, you know, you've got, you can't open, you can't open something like this without a market, to a degree. <laughs> but it, it is interesting that it's, it just seems such an obvious thing, yet it's such a relatively new. Uh, the first one that I am, I'm aware of is the Snakes and Lattes, which is in Canada. And I'm, I'm not sure how late on, long they've been around, but I think they're kind of like the granddaddy yeah. of board games now. Um, but as you say, it is interesting, it's covered. And I think it's kind of, you know, everything has a, 
equal reaction and reaction. I think as we get more digital in our society, as we get more uh, information bombarded at us constantly, people sometimes just want to unplug. They want yeah. to kind of disconnect from the screens and everything that's being thrown at us all day, every day like that. So it's just really nice to do something that's, that's analogue. So yeah, kind of take something that's tactile. You know, you talk to someone directly face to face as they to actually, you know, hold some dice in your hand and roll them and have a hand of cards and think about your strategy rather than just being reaction on a video game console. I say, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a place for video games. I play video games myself, but I think it's nice to have the option to do one or the other, to do you know, something that's very connected, wired, or something that's just physical, tangible, there. Yeah, I think that, that's interesting as well, because I think if you go back and you, you, you talk about, you look at the rising with technology, you might have, if you were asked for prediction, you might have predicted that things like board games and tabletop games would have arguably died out into a real tiny niche, because it seems like the kind of thing that people would have said, well, why am I going to sit there and do that on a dice when I could play that with thousands of people on a computer? And you can, there are versions that you can. Yeah. But as you say, but there is, it's almost like, like you say, that it's had the opposite effect, is in <clears throat> it's that breakaway and just, and there is something about, you know, I've looked at the online versions and it's just, you know, it's not the same, it, is it? Always, it you know, there are times when you think, well, I don't know people playing it, but I know people in the online world that play it that, don't live around here but there is something about sitting around the table there's something about having a physical character sheet and dice and you know even in a world like D&D where you can potentially have nothing else I mean you know, you know some people have full on maps and miniatures and yeah. well, you, you a character sheet and some dice and a, and a DM and that's it really you can go from there you don't even need a, you know, a DM can entirely make the story up if they wish to so <laughs> That's it, a set of dice and a character and you're ready to go and it's so far away from you know, the massive graphics and blowing things up. Sort of. Well, yeah, as, as I mentioned, I'm running three Dungeons & Dragons campaigns at the moment. Only one of those is actually a pre-written adventure, which is the adventure that comes in the, the newest starter set, uh, The Lost Minds of Flandlin, which yeah. we've got in the Gemini thing, let's look at it. Um, but the other two, I'm using a, a source book for the setting, but the actual stories, the adventures, are purely based on the characters that the people have created. And I'm really enjoying those sessions because the, the, the players are getting so involved because you're drawing on their ideas as well, the backstory that they've created and weaving something around it and they feel so connected yeah. to them. So the amount of in-jokes, references, you know, world building that you do together as a group can be really bonding. And um, as you mentioned before, um, when we, we briefly touched on the idea of social anxiety and how games can really be helpful in those areas, Dungeons and Dragons, as you said, can be fantastic for that because you can play a character that does not have those hang-ups that you have in real life, a character that's braver than you are, a character that can do it. And I think it's fantastic to be able to work through some of those things at a table, in a safe zone with people that are just really open to what you're doing. And it's just fantastic to see. I've seen some moments with my players that I would almost say were almost like emotional breakthroughs yeah. for them you know and it's just it's wonderful to be part of that so yeah and that, you, I don't, you can't get that playing digitally or something no, sometimes you no know. I mean it's even just like creating an initial character and that's it's such a sort of personal thing when you're doing it like that as opposed to picking one and I know the gaming world's getting better obviously at 
giving more custom options. options. But there is something about that, you know, the free, there's so much freedom you get in terms of creating your character. And I know you've got, obviously there are, there are races, classes, and things like that. You have to take, you know, a part of it, but it's beyond that, and where you go with your character, as you said, yeah. you know, between you and the sort of a tacit agreement between you, the group, and the DM, there's so much freedom. And um, so back to, back to the venue and, and things like yeah. that. So prior to being involved with Ludarati, was your background sort of in this industry or? Uh, not really, to be honest. Um, I, I used to run a board gaming group, um, but I was actually a, a teacher. I was, uh, I was teaching English as a foreign language for almost two decades. So I spent a long time in Eastern Europe. I spent uh, quite a bit of time in Japan as well. Um, while I was in Japan, I used to organise and run board gaming events for other local uh, foreign language teachers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, a lot of what I do here, though, is kind of a, a marrying of those two worlds. I'm still involved with the games, which was a passion of mine at the time. But a lot of it is uh, education-based as well. Um, you know, even if it is just teaching people how to play games at our social events, or people can hire me as a games master to help run events for them if they're bringing in their team or if they just want to sit down the family and you know, have someone coach them in a specific yeah. game. So there still is a teaching element. And kind of marrying together the previous conversation and this question, I think that it's being generally identified that board games can be very useful in an educational setting. So at the end of last year, for example, we ran a project with the, the local hospital, um, so the Nottingham University Hospital Trust. Oh, yeah. Uh, we helped them put a board game library together which they are using with their youth team uh, for their inpatients who have got long-term conditions, which though means they're in the hospital for an extended yeah. period of time. And they use the, the board games for um, not just entertainment whilst they're in the hospitals, but also for helping them learn life lessons. Uh, as you said, it's great for problem solving, things like that, team things like that. So they'll play, for example, a cooperative game and then discuss with the patients, well, how would this relate to your medical situation? How would you sort of... Um, go about problem solving the issues that you come across every day. Let's relate this to the game. So there's a huge overlap between the board game experience and the sort of educational experience, if you like. And again, that's been a really rewarding project to work on uh, with them. And we, we've still working, that project is still continuing. So although it might seem that education is a bit away from it, what I'm actually doing here is actually quite heavily involved with it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's another thing, though, it is that educational. Like you say, learning. I mean, it's that's fantastic. The, the work being done with the hospital, and obviously, you know, anything that can help, you know, them with their um, quality of life, their, you know, their recovery potentially, and even just anything that can help them develop skills. It's yeah. brilliant. And like you said, and there's so many little things. You know, you, you talked about there the way it can deal with problem solving. But I guess there's also things like helping people with fine motor skills and cognitive skills and things yeah. like that. Um, There's been a lot written about board games being very good for people um, and with the onset of Alzheimer's, that the mental agility required yeah. can really help in those cases as well, yeah. So you, you bang on the nail with yeah. that one. Fascinating, <laughs> that is. And, and then I think I've seen as well, you've had things, you've had like scout groups come in and yeah. things like that. Cause I know the scout, scouts, um, um, all mine are in, the various levels, you know, beavers and scouts, and there's definitely 
been a sort of move towards those kind of of to board games, you know, because I know obviously because it fits in with the whole activities and physical activity and things like that with scouts. And I know there's you know there's been some stuff with the table, you know, with the Warhammer type tabletop figures games workshop. Yeah. And board gaming, and see, I saw pictures of like group, groups in. Yeah, yeah. So I guess right. for scout, it's an that's they're an ideal group, aren't they? Because they tend to be, um, they tend to be a group, obviously a group, but then they can generally be broken. They're usually broken down into, <laughs> you know, Small groups of five, four, five pe- people in um, lodges or whatever they call it, and they're. They're always interested. These are kids, you know, that go into scouts. The kids that want to learn, they want to discover new things, yeah. and, and it's all about, and, you know, it's all about the, the working together and things. It's kind of in the motto, isn't it? So. <laughs> Very much so. Yes, we've had scouts in here. We've had girl guides in yeah. here. We've had like groups from schools and mainstream schools, and also special educational schools. Um, just actually yesterday, I was dealing with an inquiry from uh, someone working in education with autistic uh, students who wanted to do some Dungeons and Dragons with the, the autistic students, which I think is a fantastic idea again. So yeah, yes. all these, it's, it's amazing opportunities. So, um, we've even been doing some work with the, the castle, you know, the moment the castle's closed, it's yeah. going to be reopened shortly. So um, we're hoping to, well, we're working on a project, which I should be a bit hush-hush about, I guess, um, about uh, an educational project for when it reopens as well. So the, the, the outlets for these kind of things, as you say, it's just, it goes together so well. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's so tailored in, isn't it, to, to, to learning, education and entertainment and binding it all up because, you know, that's, these games are, a lot of these games, you learn so much from them, Yeah, not least social. Um, skills. Yeah, I, in Nottingham as well, we've got um, the Confetti College, which it's has course, a, a yeah. game design course on it, and um, we've worked with uh, one of the one of the guys that runs the game design course there, and he's brought his students in again because a lot of them come in again thinking from the video game perspective we're going to be designing games like that. He brings them and says, "Look, there's this whole other world as well. This you can learn the mechanics and how." It works on a tabletop way. Imagine taking your favourite video game and converting it to a tabletop yeah. game or something like that. And I think that's a real eye opener for those students. That's been another really interesting project we've had. We've had these students coming in from confetti and trying some of the biggest board games, and it's a it's a whole new side of gaming that they hadn't even thought about often. Yeah, and I guess because I get again, it's that um, that sort of knowledge of the of, of board game, and again, where you might, you may be. You think board gaming and you think about, you know, the classics. But then you look at the mechanics for some of the games. And, fair, you know, the mechanics for some of the, you know, Monopoly and things are quite intense. But some of the, the mechanics, and I think, like, well, now we've got the, the sort of legacy series kind of things with sort of Pandemic, I think, is one. Yes. Uh, I've not good. played it, but I've been recommended it. Where it's, you've effectively, it's almost you're playing like a season-type right. event, aren't you, as opposed to just... Playing a book, and I say just, but I mean, <laughs> I very one. One of the great things I find with the modern games is how many of them now are unrep- are not repetitive because there's so many scenarios. Even something like Small World, which yeah. we've played quite a bit, there's so many the combinations. combinations that it's very rare that you're going to play the same game twice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the phenomenon of the legacy games is, is really interesting. So if, if anyone isn't aware of what the legacy games are, I'll just briefly explain yeah. what they are. So a, a legacy game is one where you play 
the initial game without knowing how the rest of the game is going to unfold. So at the end of the first game, you'll get a result, you'll win or lose, and that will lead you to making some alterations to the rules in your second game. And it might, for example, there's a legacy risk version, it might lead to permanently losing locations on the board. That area has been destroyed in the conflict. It no longer exists. A strain of viruses now coming. And there might even be hidden cards and things in the yeah. box, which you don't know are there until your third game, where a certain pattern of wins and losers says, now look here, there's a hidden cards, and new rules are incoming. So it's almost a combination of a board game and those classic choose-your-own-adventure books. So it says, yeah. if this happens, go to paragraph 43. If this happens, go to paragraph 109. And so you don't know where the story's going to go. So at the end of it, you might have... You've played the legacy game, your group of friends have played the legacy game, and you've had totally different experiences by the end of it. It's, yeah, it's a really interesting concept. It is, isn't it? Yeah, so I've not, not played them yet, but I've heard a lot about, a lot about them. And yeah. Fortunately, it doesn't suit the board game cafe because uh, it gets destroyed in the playing, effectively. You know, it could yes, be destroyed. So yeah, that's... Because it would get to... I, thought, I think when the first time I heard of my initial thought was everything gets, like, written on and <laughs> not used to that yeah I, I had reservations about it but I've got friends that have played them and they've said they've been some of the best board gaming experiences they've had and they actually played them more because they wanted to get to the end of the story yeah so. interesting it's, it's staggering isn't it and so I noticed obviously sort of at the turn of this year you the um, Ludo Artie you've sort of been working on quite a lot of new projects which is included I think um, having sort of pop up, um, yes, cafes. I think Derby, yes, the location and things like that. So to sort of take in the Ludarati idea. Yeah, that's out. something we're looking at doing. Yes, um, yeah, um, that's something that we're hoping to be promoting more this year at the UK board game exhibition in uh, in Birmingham. Oh yeah. So we'll be attending that this year, and we're going to be promoting a lot of the new things that we're doing. So that's the the Ludarati Live. We'll be wanting we're promoting there. Um, also the Luderati Foundation, which is tied in with some of the things I've just previously mentioned about the work we've been doing with the University Hospital, work we've been doing with the castle. So it just we realised that a lot of these are kind of educational and charitable elements. So we've actually also opened now the, the Luderati Foundation to help us work on that yeah. side of things as well. So that's another thing that we promoted there. So. Um, and I, when you said pop-up, I thought you may be referring to the pop-up museum that we ran. So during last summer we had a pop-up museum, which was an exhibit about yeah, Robin Hood yes. through the ages of board games as well, which was a really fascinating thing to have. Yeah, because yes. in fact, Show for Nottingham is one of the, it's quite a popular board game, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. I was kind of surprised when, uh, when we put that exhibit together. I think the earliest one we got was from like a uh, hundred years ago, it was like the 1920s. A uh, game of fiddlesticks that was based okay. on, on, yeah, on, you know, which is almost like an early version of Jenga where you drop it and have to extract the yes, sticks. Yes, yes. And it was from the 1920s, you know, we had these games all the way through from the 1920s featuring Robin Hood in various ways. It was fascinating to see. And, and, and weirdly, at the moment in Nottingham, there, there is not much about Robin Hood, you know. It used to be when I was younger, just up the road, we had the Tales large, of Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah I remember um, going there. Yes. Yeah. The sort of like you sat in a little yes. train type thing, didn't you? Went yes. around a really creepy. But yeah, it's in fact I've seen I've known quite a few people spoke about that because there was I was a little bit off topic, but there was a thing um, Sheffield I launched a campaign to just to make Robin. a big deal of Robin Hood because obviously there's the whole 
sort of Yorkshire, the yeah. Loxley side of it. And quite a lot of people said, what, what, where is he in Nottingham anymore? Obviously, the castle being closed is a huge... Yeah. But beside the statue at the moment, it is... And a small and, exhibit around the corner. Yes, and obviously um, Sherwood Forest, but again, that's a bit out of the way isn't it and not easy particularly for public on public yeah. transport so this was exactly one of the reasons we did it we thought it was almost criminal that nottingham makes so little of its most famous son yeah <laughs> so, so we, we put on a pop-up exhibit over the summer and actually it's, it's going to be revived for a, a, a short period uh, uh, shortly as we've got a, a group coming over from france that want to see <laughs> and our, our pop-up exhibit so they're oh, coming excellent. over from france and we'll be putting on the exhi- exhibition for them when they come <laughs> oh that's brilliant excellent and that and that's the thing is it's such a draw robin on worldwide i mean they keep making films t- you know and they're terrible mainly last year i think <laughs> there was yeah i can't I, don't, I haven't seen that one um, but it didn't do very well but it's <laughs> you know show the legacy and he in so much of he's just in general pop you know Robin Hood is oh, is almost is a phrase isn't it you know and we've got I mean we've got Robin Hood energy that's about the only thing we've made <laughs> right now yeah I mean he's definitely in the the, the public consciousness yeah he's a known figure he appears in I think there was even a Doctor Who episode recently yes there was which yeah featured and uh, yeah, so it's, why isn't he in Nottingham more? <laughs> well, yeah, I remember a year, a few years, well, it's probably a bit longer than that, like, they, they sort of muted the idea of doing a little sort of theme park thing. In fact, I think it was just around where People's College was already. Yeah. They talked about turning that into some kind of Robin Hood sort of mini theme yeah, park. Yeah, like a fibreglass yeah. kind of medieval village. <laughs> so, there you go. Well, we'll see what happens around the castle. <laughs> So, I used to love the pageant and that they did up there. Be reopening next year. Now, I, I say I've, I've had a bit of a sneak peek we've been working yeah. with them, so I think there's going to be some really interesting things when it reopens. So. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be nice. I mean, I've, I've always loved it. It's not, I mean, it's, it's, it stretches the thing of what you can call a castle, but, <laughs> you know. The, the, well, unfortunately, the castle was burned yeah, down, so several, that was rebuilt afterwards. Several <laughs> but and that in itself has got such an amazing history, obviously, with Charles you know, placing his standard for the Civil War at Nottingham and yeah. allegedly drinking in the sour. Yes, yes. So, yeah, but, um, so, you've, so obviously been talking to you, but board gaming has been a passion of yours for a long, yes. a long time. So what, I'm going to get, does that come from being, from a childhood or is it? I, I, I would say I've had kind of, ooh, three ages of board gaming in my life, if you like. So when I was a, a, a very young child, my, my parents, uh, particularly my mother, would uh, play board games with me. So I, the first board game I remember, and, and this will lose a lot of people who will not remember this, but I, was the Tufty the Road Safety Squirrel board game, <laughs> <laughs> which was a roll and move game where you rolled a six-sided dice and moved a certain number of spaces, and it would say things like, you hold mummy's hand whilst crossing the road, go forward <laughs> two spaces. <laughs> You didn't look when crossing to go to the ice cream truck. Go back three spaces. That is the first board game memory I had. I wondered where that was going to go. <laughs> I, I loved that game. Yeah. It, was, it was based on a series of public safety films. I'm vaguely familiar with the, the, 
when they <laughs> not the board game but the public yeah they're on YouTube I, I strongly recommend everyone uh, Google Tufty the Road Safety Squirrel they're wonderful <laughs> um, so I, I had those kind of board games to as a child and the classics we mentioned there. I used to play a lot of Scrabble as a child yeah. as well yeah. I was in the chess club at school and when I got a little bit older I've been from Nottingham obviously I got into Games Workshop games you know we are the home of Games Workshop yeah. so I, I think one of my favourites from the Games Workshop games I had at the time was uh, Space Hulk which is space marines versus, you know, these marauding gene stealers, which are these, like, clawed aliens. <laughs> I used to really enjoy that one. Uh, a Blood Bowl, the sort of fantasy football yeah. game that they did. I played a lot of that as well. So, yeah, that was kind of my teenage years of board gaming. Kind of drifted off the hobby a little bit then, and then I, I got back into it, I would say, in the 90s. And I think the game that got me back into, let's say, this type of game was uh, Carcassonne, if I don't know if you've played Yes, it's on my top of my list, actually, at the minute. Yeah. Well, on the top of my kids' list as well, but yeah, it's... Again, just so simple to play, just the, the tile-laying mechanic, just matching the size yes. of the tiles up to build the map, connecting the roads, building the cities. Simple but lovely. I, I, I bought so many expansions for it, and I, that was the one that really kind of got me into my third age of gaming, this, this type of game, I'd say. Excellent. <laughs> I imagine you never... This was miles from you, sort of... Any thoughts when you were getting back into it that you would end up running a board game? Yes, it, was, uh, it wasn't something I was planning at the time, definitely. And as I say, I've been out of the country for a long time, came back to the UK after, say, almost 20 years away, and it's kind of like, right, what am I going to do now? I was looking around, and just by chance, I, I came in here and got talking to the owner, and uh, we just found that we had quite a lot of in common in the way we thought about it. And I, At the beginning, I started just doing bits of volunteering work on the yes. side, and that also led to, well, you know, Maybe we can do something. It built up and built up, and now I'm, I'm essentially the director here. <laughs> so. Excellent, brilliant. And it, I mean, it's such a, like I say, it's such a great idea. And seeing sort of the catalog grow, and I mean, I, I could say it staggers me every time. A lot more and more the games. I mean, I've been in a few times, and I know you like you've got screens up now, and often you are, and you've got gaming screens, and often you have a, a series which I'm a fan of called Tabletop, yeah, uh, which is a probably play like a massive part in the kind of games we've pick, picked up since yeah. the very first couple which were recommended to us and I think that's perhaps helped the um, this sort of rise as well obviously and we, I was talking to this about someone the other day um, as I was about with regards to Dungeons and Dragons one of the great things with Dungeons and Dragons minute is like we're playing it and learning it and if we're not sure of something we can go and watch a video yeah to explain it rather than trying to figure out or trying to find someone you know so it does mean so that that there's such a huge community there you know yeah. beyond, you know i think D D beyond and and that's across all games and i think it's definitely i guess the yeah. sort of I use D&D Beyond myself. Yeah. When, I, when I'm games master, I usually have my laptop on the table. Things I think I'm going to need specific monsters, I have them open in tabs already, but I can quickly search if something comes up yeah. I wasn't expecting. It's, it's a godsend. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned the, the Will Wheaton. We've, we've given Will a bit of a rest. He's been on for non-stop for a couple of years, pretty much. Yeah, so we're, we're currently playing um, Rodney's series, Watch It Played, okay. which is a series of instructional videos. So although the sound is down on these now, they're in really clear instructional oh, videos. I've seen this game. Yeah. Fire. Uh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint, yeah. I saw 
uh, on tabletop. So we've uh, put together a special playlist here. So every okay. single game featured on the TVs now is one that's available to play in the library. So it might ah, be people yeah. a bit of a, oh, that looks good. Let's You've try got, that one. I've got well. someone coming up going, can we play that? Oh, we haven't <laughs> actually got that one. <laughs> yeah. yes. So every single game you'll see here is actually in the library to play. And um, if someone wants to learn how to play one of those games, I can often say, uh, I really recommend that before you come in next time, whatever, watch this video, the one we've got here, you'll, you'll know how to play it, it'll yeah, save you a lot of time. I think it's a really good thing to they, do. Get I think they, they're in, invaluable because, uh, you know, I'm sure people, you know, people, plenty of people have opened a game and took out um, a rule book, like the size of the table, you know, a massive rule book. Yeah. And it's sometimes just so difficult to picture what you're reading in your head, but to be able to watch someone, and there are a lot of, you know, there's, there's the videos where you're actually watching them play, but there are a lot of videos, sort of instruction guide videos yeah. and things like that, and it's so, so helpful in just being able to get to grips with it, even sometimes in terms of setting up, because some of them are quite, but yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess, again, it rolls into this sort of, obviously, Will Wheaton, who, has kind of had a, I guess, almost resurgent celebrity, celebrity yeah. due to his, um, I guess, guest appearances on Big Bang. Theory, yeah. Because, I mean, he was almost um, shunned, by, I would argue, by the community <laughs> in his early. I mean, his, his Star Trek character wasn't the most popular character. For but me, again, he'll always be one of the kids from Stand By Me. <laughs> well, yeah, brilliant. Yes, definitely. I mean, as a, I loved that film as a kid. Um, I'd still do, <laughs> and the book. It's a great movie. Story, but it's again, I guess that, and the again because there is now that online community as well. So I was saying it is, it's great. I love playing the, the actual games, but I do love yeah. talking to other people that are playing them. I mean, there's groups I'm on 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 things like Facebook. That, you know, not just about board gaming, but you know. I guess what you'd call geek them as a whole, right? You know, from TV, film, board gaming, computer, all sorts, and that I think that as well is so good to people. And I've seen so many people have been encouraged to take that step because of these kind of groups. Yeah. Because well, as we mentioned earlier, it's no longer like this little dirty secret that you. No, have. I do like these things. It's out there, it's proud that you're part of this community. Again, well, again, mentioned Doctor Who briefly before, but uh, that whole geek chic that's come out of that kind of thing now, you know, oh, David Tennant could play someone like that, you know, yeah. like, wow. Um, you, we do have celebrities, like I say, Will Wheaton has become a celebrity, Felicia Day, um, we were mentioning like Matt Mercer, you know, has yeah. become like a celebrity dungeon master. That that is a phrase that would not have existed yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is wonderful. The celebrity for D and D, isn't he? Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's just fantastic that it's taken that step out into the light, and it's it's open, it's accepted, and it's actually dare I say it cool. <laughs> Definitely, and that's, that's something. It was the it was the weird kids in the basement, kind of, yeah, the vibe that sort of we think we mentioned it before we started recording you know Stranger Things yeah it's <laughs> kind of um, and I know there's a D&D &D Stranger Things starter set now but that was that was kind of there being set in the 80s was like yeah these are the what everyone else thinks are the weird kids yeah. so they're in the you know even the parents are a bit like what are you doing um, and, and what did they use for shorthand they're playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah shorthand for their weird kids yeah like, yeah even something like I think it, the Goldbergs I saw an episode of that where it was a similar yeah. Kind of thing. And they went, they, 
they ended up with the whole like school playing it in PE or something. But it is there was very much that wasn't it. Any sort of geek was an insult in the sort of eighties and early nineties. Now it's like yeah. a whole different thing. I guess definitely. Um, I guess that rise of tech, the internet's probably playing. <laughs> yeah, partly because as you say, like, those chat groups and things like that, people can find other people and suddenly go, I'm not isolated by my, my love of this. Yeah. There's, the, there's whole communities of people out there. And again, sort of tying a couple of things together, so you're saying like, you know, how it can be really daunting opening a rule book sometimes and trying to get your head around a book. Um, we do have these wonderful channels like Watch It Played or Gaming Rules, Paul Grogan's channel. Um, we also have things like our social groups here. So if you're not sure, you can come along and join one of our social groups and then you can sit at a table and someone at that table is going to know that game. Yeah. Occasionally the group might say, as a group, let's learn something new. And then it's not all responsibility on you, the group's going to learn it together. But most of the time, somebody's going to suggest a game that they know, they're happy to lead, and then you'll learn that game yes. through that process as well. So it becomes this kind of... Um, almost like modern folklore, passed by word of mouth, <laughs> from one to another, you know. I think, and that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, and that is so important, isn't it? Feeling that, that feeling that you can go in there not knowing, you know, yeah. a game or all of a game, but not feeling that you're going to ruin it for everyone. And I think that's a fear that people sometimes have, don't you? I don't want to be one that it messes the game, else. slows the yeah. game down because everyone's having to explain everything. I don't want to be the one that does something really, really stupid and gets us all yeah. killed. But um, but that's and I, I mean, and I think that's a thing that's common with us people in all walks, isn't it? Whatever you do, you know, even in sport, you don't want to be the one that yeah. gives the ball away in the air, penalty area. And and you kind of you can't say it's never going to happen. There might be yeah. one person in any situation who's going to roll their eyes and top. But generally speaking, most people are really tolerant, really open, really friendly, and they're going to be more annoyed at the person rolling eyes and tutting than they are at you. Yes, <laughs> that's it. And I think that that's what, in a place like this, though, attracts the right kind of, yeah, definitely. of people. Board gaming in general is a really kind of... Uh, I'm trying to say, I say so. It attracts a certain type of people, and from what I've seen, those people are just absolute stars most of the time. Really nice, considerate people. Because they're generally, to, to get into board games, you've got to be the type of person that doesn't mind taking the time to think about things. Yeah. It generally means you're attracting people who are quite considerate, thoughtful, and you know, just take things a bit easy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, nice. Someone might be ferociously competitive. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, but that's there's there's events for that, isn't there? That's, you, know, well, you know, you have your, I know you I think you do your competition. So I've seen yeah. that you know people with the league, you've got leaderboards. Yeah. But even when we do the league, it's uh, it's it's very much a social league. On the on the night, it's kind of like the winning team gets cakes. Okay. <laughs> and then there's a sort of a bigger prize at the end of the yeah. season. But it's really friendly. It's really nice. You know, you don't want to make it so cutthroat. You say, that, you say that, but I can't think of many things that would make people more competitive than free cakes. So, but that again, it, but then it's that thing, isn't it? You know. We everyone that's into board games had to learn those games, and will mostly, from my experience in it, is as soon as you learn one game, you're already looking to learn the next one. So you're always learning new games, and then when you get to the role playing, yeah. you're always learning. It doesn't matter how many years long you've been playing that, you are always learning, uh, and there'll always be someone else who's 
that is the one downside. There's not enough hours in the day. Now I've been doing more uh, games mastering recently and really loving that, uh, but it means I've had less time to play the board games. And we've, we've added quite a few new games to the library recently. So we added Dust in the Wings and uh, Bosk, and Bosk looks gorgeous. It's this kind of nature game where you're growing trees through spring and summer, then the leaves are falling on the board in autumn. Yeah. It looks fantastic. I haven't had time to sit down and look at the rule book myself yet. I really want to. <laughs> it's finding my time. It's interesting to say that, because one, one of the things that has really struck me is how incredible this, the sets are for gaming. I'm Amazing. a sucker for a pretty game, I really um, am. They, I mean, I was, I was watching um, a video for, I think it's a photosynthesis, something like that. Yeah, so you know the trees, and so Boss yeah. has very similar looking three-dimensional yeah. trees on the board, it just looks beautiful. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I get, whenever I buy a game, and just the, the quality of the sets and the pieces, and then, you know, yeah. I think you mentioned Carcassonne, which I think spawned the Meeple. Yes, which is, yeah, you know, the first one with the Meeple. Which is now, you know, this character in itself, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. But, the, you know, because I, I remember, and I know some games, particularly games aimed at younger things, the qualities aren't always great. You know, you get flimsy little cardboard yeah. counters or characters. And some of these, and I know obviously you get, you, you pay for that quality. Yeah. Board gaming is an expensive hobby. Which is again another great advantage of a place like this. Yes. You can try before you buy. You can hire a table for £1.99 for an hour for yourself, uh, £1.99 each. And you can sit down and you can try the games. And then you go, that is an amazing game. I want to buy it. I don't mind the investment. And you go, well, I'm glad I tried it. But I think yeah. I'd rather invest in another one for myself. You know, it's, it's a great way of saving yourself money overall. <laughs> yeah, I find though one of the issues because, like I say, it's a library, and it's the same issue as I have if I'm going in a library or a bookshop, is that I would probably spend so much time trying to decide what I want to have a go at that I might never actually get around to having a go at. So I'm like that, you know, it's like when you go in a bookshop and you're thinking, oh, when I'm looking at my books and what I want to read next, I, and I end up not reading anything because I just can't decide. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that gobsmack look, which I've come to recognise when someone comes in for the first time and realises that isn't wallpaper, it's actually an entire wall of board games. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it now and, I mean, my, is that a Ghostbusters game on the top? There show? is a Ghostbusters game oh, on wow, the top. Oh, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, no, I think I did. Oh, excellent. I didn't know you had a Ghostbusters game. So, yeah. That's, right, that's, that's, the one next to it as well is a game called Ghost Stories, okay. which is a really good cooperative game. It's one that I really enjoy. <laughs> awesome. That, I do love a cooperative game. I do. It's, it's especially for playing with the family because there's no more. You know, there's not the same kind of... But, yeah, and it's... So... Um, for those that of another thing that um, Ludo I do is a membership. Yes. Um, and that obviously comes with. I think you you change the membership slightly this year. Yes, we did. So it's so, a two tier membership basically. You can sign up for what we call the standard membership, which is totally free. Uh, you just fill in a few questions on the iPad, and that gets you kind of like a credit card style yeah, physical card. Uh, and that gets you 10% for food and drink when you're here and has a membership number that you can use to call up and reserve a table, which at weekends is, is vital because we're so packed at weekends. And any time it's recommended, but particularly at weekends, to not get disappointed, you should. Yeah. 
Um, and then we also have, for people who are really, really into their games, we have a digital membership, which is £12 for the year, so it's basically £1 a month. But that gives you extra benefits, so you'll get 20% off any of the escape games that we spoke about that we're doing here, and 25% off uh, retail price on any of the board games that you buy. So sometimes buying a single game, that discount can like yeah, get that uh, back for you. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we've not mentioned the fact that as well as being a library and a cafe and a, a escape room thing, you do also sell board games. Yes. In fact, we um, have purchased, like you said, taken advantage of the membership and purchased games from here, and it saved us. Um, I think ticket for, to ride is one we got from here and things like that. And it's and so then that, like you say, um, even at twelve pound a year, twenty five percent on. Yeah. A lot of these games is going to be more than £12 anyway, so yeah. you will immediately... It can be, yes, yeah. so it's a big saving. And uh, the, uh, the digital one also gives you access to the sort of beta of our online game rating system. So the idea of that is that you'll be able to rate the games that you've played okay. on it. And over time you'll build up a profile of what kind of games you enjoy, what kind of games you don't enjoy. And we should be able to make better recommendations for you. Well, based on the things that you've filled in, in our profiler, we think that you'd probably really like to play this one. Getting over the problem you said, you walk up to the library and you're like, what am I going to play next? Yeah. We say, well, let's see, what did the app recommend? It recommends I should play Ghost Stories because I like Pandemic. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's so. like, I mean, that sort of... I guess it's kind of the Amazon-y thing of people who played this or so yeah. likes this kind of thing is in... Yeah, that's Baltimore. something we're still developing. It's yeah. kind of beautiful now and you've got early access to that with the digital membership as well, which is another Brilliant. great advantage. <laughs> um, so I'm going to wrap up fairly soon because obviously it's, I know you're busy and you've got D&D. Shortly, yes. Shortly. <laughs> um, but obviously one of the things I wanted to talk, talk about was what sort of... Do you do events aimed at sort of younger... So obviously, because you know, I know we talked about the scout events and things like that. But you know, for, and I know family. You do, I think it's like families on Sunday. You know, family. Uh, I mean, I know it's open pretty much any time. But yeah, there's there's, there's no specific times reserved families. Though you do definitely see more families in here at the weekend, simply because you know they're off work, so they're coming with the kids. And now it's half term, so we've had a lot of families yeah. in over the half term. And a lot of things you're talking about, like the scout groups, things, yeah, we, we liaise with those kind of organisations sometimes. But in terms of like an open group, like we're having a kids' day today, um, we haven't done that so much so far. Yeah. We have a lot of um, parents just organising birthday parties for their kids, though. It's a very popular combination to have an escape drum session, and we have one escape drum that we design that's particularly good for younger adults, um, which is uh, kind of a a mystery set in a, a magical school okay. where the, the headmaster has disappeared and you've got an hour to, to uncover him. So it's a very popular combination to take that escape drum session and a bit of time on the gaming tables as a party package. So that, that's a very common thing. So that might be where you might have thought that you may have come in and seen a large group yeah. of kids enjoying that. I'm, Probably was a, a large party. Yeah. Like that. I'm just thinking, I know, like, say I know um, sort of my oldest and his friends and that they play a bit of, I mean they do a bit of D&D and things like that and I know like so my oldest is sort of been doing a bit of D DMing and things yeah. like that and I'm thinking the kind of events probably we did wouldn't, do, we wouldn't, did they, would, they wouldn't feel comfortable at the sort of 
older, bigger events, right. if that makes sense. We did do um, a, a kids special um, last holiday where um, my colleague Rebecca ran the, the starter game from the Dungeons and Dragons yeah. um, Stranger Things set, ah, so, which is actually written as if it's by Will the Wise doing yeah. it. Uh, so yeah, we have run a, a special D&D for kids sessions before. Um, what I would say is, if, if it's something that your listeners think that's a fantastic idea, um, get in touch, because if there's interest, then we can definitely yeah. organise something like that. It would be fantastic yeah. to do. And obviously, there's, there's different considerations you'd have to, obviously have to take, isn't there, when you're yeah. doing it with a with really? kids group. There's different, obviously, there's <laughs> a lot more... Safeguarding, safeguarding and things have to go into it as opposed to adults. Yeah, anyone that's running games here, um, particularly role-play games, has to sign a, a kind of a sheet saying there's certain standards that they adhere to in terms of the content, safeguarding, considerations like that. So, yeah, it is something you have to be aware of these days, not just with kids, with adults yeah. as well. Um, a lot of people do have issues or be trigger issues for them and things like that, and it's just part of being decent let's say to yeah. to be aware of and consider those factors but it's probably a little bit more heightened when you're dealing with kids yes. let's say definitely um, but I'm, I'm quite happy to have uh, my email attached with the podcast if you want to if anyone would like to get in touch and say yeah I'm on board for a young person's D&D session if we have enough interest I'm sure we can organise something like that would be fantastic <laughs> brilliant and uh, then quickly then before I wrap up this is probably going to be a nightmare okay struck myself in then it's I'm just thinking, so there might be people listening to this who are new, or they've just, or board games piqued their interest, maybe only played, you know, some of the more common board yeah. games that might be thinking of coming down. So I'm going to say, if you were to pick, say, a game for a family, a game for a, a couple, and a game for, say, a group of friends, you know, male, female, mixed, whatever as maybe just sort of starter games if they were going to come down this is why I said this is probably going to be really <laughs> difficult for you what what would be sort of for people that want to get a feel of it and new to it okay, you know, so it, they yeah. don't want uh, to so let's go one at a time so what, what was the first category so say again? A, a family game a family um, so the first one that springs to mind and this might vary when I was you know depending on face to face with them the of course yeah. but uh, Survive Escape from Atlantis springs to mind it's uh, up to four players uh, you actually have Atlantis in the middle of the board okay. and you have your own coloured pieces on it and Atlantis is sinking so every turn you're removing pieces from Atlantis and you're trying to escape by getting your figures onto boats and saving them to the edges of the board where there's safe locations but the waters are infested with sharks, whales, sea serpents. It's easy to learn but it's got that kind of great kind of cotton thrust that families can really get into and enjoy at any age. That would be great for a family. Definitely and kids love sharks. Yeah. I love sharks. Oh yes. What was the, the second so thing? So, second one, um, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, was sort of a, a date game, right, so a couple. Yeah. So, we have a, a shelf that's entirely dedicated to two player games. And uh, one of my favourite two player games is, uh, I'm actually thinking of a couple now, uh, this Odin's Ravens, I really like. It's a little card management game where it's based on the legend of uh, the Nordic legend. Yeah. Uh, so Odin's ravens flying around the world gathering information. It's basically a race game. So you're racing to get your raven around this landscape built of cards that represent deserts and forests and things like that. And you're trying to match cards from your hand so you can fly over that bit of terrain. 
So it's quite a simple like card management game. And so I think it's one that anyone can pick up quite quickly and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we get a lot of couples playing um, games like Hive as well, which is designed purely for two players. Yeah. It's kind of almost like a uh, abstract chess-like strategy game, which uh, particularly, uh, it's one of those games that the boys sometimes like to play because they can be a bit like, I'll teach you how to play this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes. But, um, it, it purely depends on the couple. A lot of couples on dates will just want to do something really relaxed. So it's not unusual to see something like the logo game be brought up on a date yeah. where people just want to, you know, go with something that's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Excellent. And then uh, the last one, I guess, was uh, say just like a small group. Right. Uh, say new gamers. So. Yeah, so I so say we get quite a lot of people coming in that's uh, maybe a little work to do or something like that. And yeah. It's like six or seven of them, not really board gamers. Fantastic game to give them is Cash and Guns. It does what it says on the tin. It's got cash and it's got guns. <laughs> so the guns are like uh, fake toy guns, very clearly fake guns. Yeah. And it's essentially it's a bluffing game. You have cards in your hand that say bang or click that represent your bluffing if it's a click or bang if you're loading a live round into your gun. And each round you point your gun at someone else at the table and try and force them to drop out of that round. The more people that drop out of the round, the bigger share of cash everybody else gets. And it's a bit poker-like, so you yeah, kind of get that Dirty Harry thing. I think you're bluffing, I yeah. think you've used all three of your bullets already. <laughs> so, great fun, just, you see the delight on their face of yes. I get a gun, I get to point it at my that's, boss. <laughs> that's one I've seen, I have definitely seen pictures of that one, and they all, everyone always looks like they're in grief. Very fun, yeah. So, I love the fact that as well, that like, I'd never, I've not even heard of the first two <laughs> you mentioned. This is great, they're going to be... I'll be looking them up as soon as I get there, especially the <laughs> Atlantis one. Yeah, that's um, great for families. Yeah, I mean, I'm brilliant. And then uh, I guess the the final thing in then is the best place, obviously the best place if anyone wants to find out more is to come on down. You know, it's made Marion Way, <laughs> uh, pretty much opposite the sort of Royal Children. Yeah. Next to City Gate. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, we're dead opposite the Salutation Inn. Yeah, I know that is. Um, I I'm here most days. I'm usually off on Wednesdays and Fridays, but I'm usually here at weekends and in the evenings the other day. So people can answer me directly from around. I'm always happy to chat if I'm not if I'm not games mastering. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, our Facebook page is probably the place where you've got the most current information, and our Facebook page has groups attached to it as well, so you can get onto the uh, the roleplay group. You know, we talked a lot about Dungeons and Dragons today, so if that's piqued your interest, go to the main. Facebook page and go to the groups and look for the roleplay group there. Brilliant. And I say I'm quite happy to have my email attached to this as well, so people can look in the information yeah. at the bottom and email me if they've got Excellent. any questions. And bef before I finally wrap up, I am going to mention because we have obviously mentioned it's a cafe, such board game, but yeah, the, it, they do have a great selection of drinks and things. So it's a licensed bar, which is and a lot. Yes, yes, there you go. So <laughs> we have wines and beers. But, you know, if you're looking for something to do on a night out, you can come and you can have a drink while you play. Um, uh, cash and guns. <laughs> oh, cash and, and guns and, and beer. Cash and, oh, that, I mean, what more can you want from a night out? Exactly. Brilliant. <laughs>
for taking the time out to talk to me. As I said at the beginning of the show, this was recorded before the uh, government initiated lockdown. So at that time, there was we didn't know that uh, that the venue was going to be closed. <clears throat> Obviously, quickly after that, it quickly came out that that was happening. And as at the moment, there's no no sort of real idea when when these venues are going to reopen. That's something that's affected many of us. Uh, my partner works in a bar and is in a similar situation where at the moment the bar's closed, she's unable to go into work. So it's, it's a really tough time for everyone. But please do check out Luderati online, facebook.com forward slash Luderati Cafe. See what they're doing. I say they have got various things going on. They are also uh, sort of um, sharing a lot of online resources things for to be able to play games online uh, there's places where there com- companies that are giving away sort of uh, rules and sort of card versions that you can print off of games for free and things like that and there's a lot of that on there worth checking out and so they've got a community hub helping bring people together to play games so check that out as I say hopefully you know this is Pete you're interested if you're not already want that to plays ball games or plays along to this Deluderati that you'll check them out when they are back up and running because they are going to need all the help they can get when they finally do open the doors again like any of these or like many industries uh, so that's it for episodes that were recorded pre what we call the lockdown uh, I've got two episodes that I can tell you about that are coming up so next week I'm speaking with uh, Alex Trasker and he's the founder of internet radio station uh, My House, Your House, which was uh, a big, big, much-loved internet station in Nottingham for about 15 years. Having launched in 2005, it, it closed uh, in 2018. It stopped running, but in the midst of this sort of lockdown, they decided, Alex decided to relaunch it obviously in an, in a bit to offer something for people to enjoy at this time when people are stuck inside and it's gone really well and he and so I uh, I had a chat with Alex uh, it's the first ever recording I've done via Zoom which I'm sure many of you have heard about that maybe have never even heard of it until recently I know I hadn't and we talked about the history of the station the reasons behind bringing it back the differences there we also talked about the whole um, current coronavirus lockdown situation, the impact that's having on the industry, you know, musicians and things like that, and where it might go after that. So that's a fascinating chat there. And then after that, uh, we have an episode with uh, Lisa, uh, sorry, Louise Cook, uh, who is the CEO of an organisation called Shareware Clothing, who recently celebrated their sixth anniversary, and they are a community clothing organisation, they um, collect donated clothes and they circulate them to people that need them. These could be people that are referred to them in a sort of similar way to how people are referred to food banks. And they also provide clothes to organisations such as the Refugee Forum or even hospitals and things like that. And we talked about the history of how that started. Fascinating story about how uh, 
um, Louise started the organisation and the, 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 how that came about. And again, we talk about the impact that the coronavirus lockdown has had, obviously, on not only an increased need by people for the uh, clothing and items, but also, obviously, the impact it's had on um, their volunteer base and, obviously, in terms of how people can donate because you can no longer go in to stores and things like that. So that was an interesting chat. The, the way they've had to adapt in such a fast pace, the hardships they face there, sort of, but the importance of what they do because they're, the demand for what they do has increased massively, but at the same time their resource in terms of volunteers has decreased massively. It's been about balancing that up and the sort of unknown path ahead because, of course, even when we get through this stage of it, the knock-on effects economically for people are going to mean there's probably going to be a massively increased demand for the kind of service they're offering. I think that was another great chat. So obviously we look, we're putting together more shows and I think obviously a lot of the shows going forward for the time being at least are going to be a lot of discussion about this current situation because it is so unprecedented. <clears throat> and no matter who we talk to, it's having a huge impact, you know, just the fact that we're having to record all the episodes remotely for a start, you know, it's great that we can, but that's something that's been, you know, forced upon us. We've had to adapt to that and we, it's it's um, changed everyone's lives. So they're coming up over the next couple of weeks uh, with other shows we're planning on, but we are looking for people to talk to. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, do get in touch. Uh, you can find us at, you know, NG Digital. Uh, dot podbean.com for all our episodes if you want to get in touch with us facebook.com forward slash ngdigital or at ngdigitaluk on twitter and let us know and so again thanks for listening um i hope you're all staying safe following the guidelines and you know we can all get through this together uh, until next week this has been ng meets and goodbye <laughs>